Hey everyone, it's June of 2021 and it's been about three months since I last uploaded an episode. Um, around March 24th, I found out that my mother passed away. And so for the last three months or so, I've been just dealing with accepting that new reality, um, dealing with all of the arrangements. Obviously we got all of that done within, you know, the first few weeks. Uh, obviously her funeral was taken care of really right away. And then we've over time just been slowly managing her estate and getting everything squared away. And so that's been taken up a lot of my time. And so I took a break from clients and I took a break from podcasting and from posting on social media to rest, to grieve, to not focus on anything else but my family and myself. And I got to say, I have learned a tremendous amount of things that I really, I can't wait to share with everyone. Organizing my thoughts, organizing my ideas, my memories has been a bit of a challenge for sure. The The level of grief I feel is something I've never experienced in my life so far and allowing my brain to, to heal from all of that is definitely taking some time as it absolutely should. And so in due time, for sure, I will be uploading podcasts, analyzing and and expressing all of the new things that I've learned. And I really look forward to sharing that with you because there's a lot, there's a lot to say. In the meantime, though, what I've done is I have actually done interviews with several different people that I haven't gotten around to uploading and publishing. So I'm going to do that so that you have something to go on for the next few weeks while I organize my thoughts. I also have more podcast episode ideas that need to be written that I will take the time to do over the next couple of months as well. And hopefully this will kind of tide you over and give you some value and some insight that will continue uh, to continue helping you manage and grow on this journey to changing your your mind, changing your approach to life, transitioning from a person who has been trained by narcissists to be a people pleaser, to not love or accept yourself into a person who has boundaries, who loves yourself and others unconditionally, who can see the the tools of the narcissist in their life and not be controlled by them. That is my that is my goal for you. That is my mission on this earth is to take you from from that state of being to this one that I describe, a place where you can be full of love towards other people even the ones who would hurt you and not from a place of vulnerability, from a place of strength, from a place of self-confidence with boundaries. You know, we've been taught our whole lives to see boundaries and self-worth as a way 
that that hurts other people. And the work that we do together through this podcast, through coaching, is to unlearn that lesson, to learn that boundaries are 100% about love. I haven't been so forthcoming about my mother because she was alive and because I chose to honor her by not being so so direct about my experiences um, recovering from narcissism because she was in fact um, a narcissist. I, I don't think that she was probably, I guess narcissist would be a really strong word because full-blown MPD is pretty far on that spectrum, but she she was up there. And I say this with a lot of love. The thing is, is that you can tell the truth. You can say the truth, not necessarily publicly if you don't want to, but at the very least to yourself. You can look at the people around you whom you love and you can see the truth about them. If the person in front of you is not emotionally mature in the sense that they have narcissist tendencies or they just see you as a an asset, not a real person, or if they abuse you emotionally or physically, that person does not know how to love you. That person is not emotionally mature. And it's okay to acknowledge the truth about that person, even though you love that person. It's okay to say, hey, this and this and this are not okay. And I love you at the same time. But we've been taught that acknowledging the truth about someone is hurtful. And I want to share that that's not true. For my mom, I made a choice not to come on the podcast or on my social media and call her out specifically because I have a special relationship with my mom. And it was important to me that she be honored and from a place of complete intention on my part. I, I intentionally chose not to do that, not out of fear, because certainly we've been trained to fear the reactions of the people in our lives who are narcissists. And my mom and I definitely had a couple of conversations because she put two and two together. She was able to see, hey, wait a second, what's going on here? And that was a hard conversation to have. But I'm really proud of myself because I was able to have that conversation with so much love in my heart to be able to say, yes, definitely some narcissist tendencies came through, mom. Not because you're an evil person. You are an amazing person. But my mom was raised by an alcoholic, two alcoholics really, and they were violent and she was sexually abused. And she did so much good with the the, the hand of cards she was dealt. But some of those tendencies got through and for better or for worse, they affected me the way that they have. This doesn't mean she failed. It doesn't mean she's an evil, horrible person. It just means that certain things happened that affected me in certain ways. And it's still my job to heal. And part of healing is acknowledging truth. My mom at the time wasn't able to connect in that way. She wasn't able to understand all of the love I had for her. She was still too hurt to really see past all of that and 
see how much I loved and appreciated her. And I knew that that was the case. And so I, I made it, it was really important to me that I not call her out publicly on social media or on my podcast. However, now that she has passed on, uh, I, I intend to be a little bit more forthcoming on how my mother and my father have both affected me and my story with all of that so that there can be more authenticity. There can be more truth available to those listening so that you can really see how you relate how our stories relate and how, how I have done the work to overcome what, what has been given to me. And so that's where I'm coming from. This is a really long introduction to the fall, the next episode. The next episode is a conversation I have with one of my clients who is an amazing person. And the truth is all my clients are amazing people. And I don't mean to lump them all into one group, they are all unique and individual and special in their own unique and special ways. And the best part about being their coach is that we create this amazing bond that you can only get from having this kind of relationship, from being able to to have a bond with a person who holds space for you, to say, hey, no matter what you're thinking, saying, doing, or feeling, there is no judgment. It's not my job as your coach to judge any of your thoughts, actions, emotions, beliefs, results, life circumstances. That's not my job. My job is to show you what's going on in your brain so that you can make a better choice if you want to. And that background, that setting creates such an amazing opportunity for this coaching relationship that I, I never expected. I, I, I expected myself to be a coach that had clients and that when we were done with our work, we would, they would move on. And, and i most of my clients do move on in the sense that we no longer actively work together, but the bond that we create, we have created has continued to last. I stay in touch with my clients. I watch them continue to grow. They are achieving incredible things and becoming incredible people. And so this particular client has a, is, is going through it. <laughs> she is in the middle of a very difficult situation, but her growth and her ability to set boundaries, her ability to have peace in her heart, regardless of the person in her life that is narcissist, it's it's amazing. It's, it's, it's miraculous. And so I, I'd love for you to hear from her and listen to our conversation and hopefully you can get a lot out of it uh, because the whole point of this is to show you that there really is hope. No matter who you are, no matter who's listening to this right now, the work that we do is possible. It's available to you. And the changes you're going to see in your life are not only available and possible, if you show up and you really do the work, it's guaranteed. The results you want are guaranteed if you show up and do the work. And I've seen that time and time again with each of my clients. You've heard from Brian, you've um, you've heard from Bethany, and now you're going to hear from Ina. And it is just an honor and a privilege to know these incredible humans and to be part of their journey to recovery, to healing. And so this conversation, a few others are coming, and then 
I will talk more about my mom, talk more about my upbringing, my dad, the lessons I've learned from uh, experiencing the passing of my mother, the complicated emotions that I've been experiencing and how I've sorted through them, um, the depression I sunk into for two months and how I got out of it and how, how I can help you prepare for the inevitable. One day your parents will leave this earth too. And it's nothing to be afraid of. There's so much good that comes from the grief. And so without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. And I look forward to more episodes in the future. And I hope and pray that they help you, that they help guide you and provide what you need, or at least some of what you need as you progress for your, towards your journey, your, your result of true and lasting healing. All right. So today I have my amazing friend and client, Miss Ina, and she has graciously decided to come on the podcast and talk about her experience as we have been coaching together and working together. And she has made incredible, tremendous progress from the get-go, at least from my perspective as a coach. And I want her to talk about everything that she's experienced. So, um, Ina, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, um, as comfortable, you know, whatever you're comfortable sharing and tell us how you found coaching and what you were struggling with and what you, um, yeah, we'll start with there. Just what you were struggling with, who you are and how you found me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I'm Ina. Um, I'm actually a physician here in the U S. Um, I found coaching through my friend who's also a physician and a weight loss coach. I was struggling with weight loss and she was like, oh, let me coach you. Let me coach you. And then it turned out um, that my problems weren't just with my eating habits. Um, what I was mainly struggling with after this discovery was um, I was in an abusive marriage, um, like an emotionally and verbally abusive marriage. And I couldn't fix the rest of the parts of my life without fixing that part of my life. And uh, nobody had a clue how to do that for me. And so my weight loss coach was like, well, um, let me look into this for you. And I said, okay, sure. Not really expecting anything to come out of it. Um, I mean, I'd really appreciated all her help on the weight loss and about mindfulness and, and my eating. Mm -hmm. But I was like, who, who works with this? Um, and it turns mm -hmm. out Laura does. Laura does. <laughs> um, and yes. so it was great. She gave me your number and she was like, well, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't know her, but this is what she does. Just give her a call and it's a free consultation. And at that point, I was crying like every single day and I had mm -hmm. scheduled like bathroom breaks in order to have mini breakdowns during the day. Oh. So I was like, well, this can't be anything worse than it is now. I have an hour to talk to Laura. Mm -hmm. um, and it was probably one of the best hours of my life. And I feel like I ugly cried like the first four sessions and then things got much better. Yeah. Oh, so delicious. I'm so proud. Okay. So you amazingly came prepared with a bunch of things that you learned throughout our process. And we're not even done yet. We still have like 
plenty of time left actually. And so it's kind of amazing just to see how all of your progress has happened over the last, uh, just a few months. And so I'd like to kind of go through them and I want to, want you to tell us all the things that you learned. So let's start with the first one. Yeah. Uh, boundaries. I learned about boundaries Yes. and prior, honestly, prior to working with you, I didn't even realize that that was the problem in my life. Like, mm -hmm. um, people had spent my whole life being like, Oh my God, you're so nice. You're like, so selfless. You're so <laughs> wonderful. You're like a saint. Right. Yes. And I thought that was good. Like I was uh -huh. like, oh, I'm such a good person. Um, but actually what it meant was I always said yes to everything and went above and beyond for everyone, mm -hmm. but there's only 24 hours in a day. And I felt like it ended up being that I kind of got shortchanged and I was sort of a doormat. And then I realized that that was the problem, like in my marriage, right? Like I couldn't mm -hmm. set appropriate boundaries. Um, and when I learned how to set them and I learned that boundaries weren't evil or bad, they were just me protecting myself. And being just really honest about what I want to do, what I can do, what I have time to do, what I'm interested in doing. It was so amazing. Like my whole life got better. <laughs> All the problems I had at work were also related to my inability to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. and, that, and they weren't even that huge problems, but like all these little things that would bother me. I was like, oh, I could just say I'm not doing that. Yeah. And it was like magic <laughs> prior to having this conversation with you and learning about it the idea of setting a boundary like oh not going to my friend's party or you know not doing this thing that people ask of me or not taking on a new responsibility like oh no we can't do that that's that would be mean right and now I'm like do I even want to go to the party take on this new role do do whatever it is that I'm being asked of and if the answer is no I just say that's just not what I want to do right now and people just respect that I thought there'd be so much pushback and I would get like yelled at and people would be like, no, uh -huh. you know, blah, blah, blah. No, people would just be like, oh, okay, well, I'll see you later. Right. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> right? Yeah. Or just, hey, well, I'm, it's okay that you're not interested. Tell us when you're interested. It's, it's, we're here for you when you're ready. I'm like, oh, great. Right. Normal, healthy people understand boundaries and respect them. Yes. Yes. Who knew? And then, and then we found that even like the abusive people in my life, for the most part, learned how to set, like her learned how to respect my boundaries. Mm -hmm. It did not happen with my husband. My husband has not been able to respect my boundaries, right. which is so sad. Um, mm -hmm. But I think boundary setting is a good litmus test, right? If, yeah. if it's a person who's healthy or who's at least maybe interested in becoming healthy or respecting you, they will adjust their behavior to meet your boundary and respect it um, yeah. or at least learn from the consequences you set. And if they're not a good, you know, fit or match or they don't really care about you as much as they say they do, they'll just keep trampling them. Exactly. Right. Because whose job is it to respect your boundaries? It's my job. That's right. <laughs> I know. I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. And prior to working with you, honestly, like, I, I, you know, it's funny, like I've met so many amazing people who are really great at setting boundaries and I just thought they were mean. Yeah, <laughs> right? I was right? like, oh my God, what is wrong with them? They're so mean. <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was me. I was broken. Exactly. I, I like broken is really kind of a harsh word. Right. I yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying skill. that. Yeah. You weren't broken, yeah. but yeah. You... I was just poorly trained in this area and exactly. I needed some help. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. So boundaries help everything and not just boundaries with other people, right? 
Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so I learned how to show up for me, um, mm-hmm. which is such a part. I feel like all of the stress eating is really just about me violating my own boundary of like healthfulness, right? Like mm-hmm. I know chocolate isn't good for me. I have no like delusions about this, but it feels good when everything else is a disaster. But exactly. if you look at it from like, well, how do I want to show up for myself today? Like, does this serve me? Does this protect me? Is this what I would want to do to build the future that I want? Well, then no, then eating chocolate at 10 o'clock at night is not helping me. Oh, so good. I, we could talk forever about that, but yeah, if you're, you know, in, in a, a, an eating problem or like any sort of thing where you're in taking substances that you really don't want to be taking, that is a boundary violation for yourself. And when you're not used to setting boundaries for yourself, it's very easy to kind of but betrayal is a really strong word, but it's really easy to violate your own boundaries as opposed to everybody else's. When you just feel so trapped, you feel like you don't have any power to be able to say no to anybody else. Then you feel more powerful and you're able to, to say no to yourself. It's a, it's a weird sort of, sort of thing that you're trying to just feel better in that moment. Well done. Okay. So we've got boundaries. Tell us about all the painful thoughts that you solved. Oh man, that was so much pain um, regarding my marriage and where I was and why I was in so much pain on like a daily basis. And I didn't even realize they were fixable or right? that, that so much of my pain was related to the way I was thinking about the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had this or still have, but um, this abusive husband and every time it'd be really bad. I'd be like, oh my God, like, why did I choose this partner? You know, if I'm so smart, why couldn't I have made better choices? Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom never liked this guy, although her reasons were kind of silly because she didn't feel like his family was, you know, appropriately wonderful enough, whatever. Sure. Um, so I always thought it was kind of like, mom. <laughs> but when things went sour, then my thoughts were like, oh my God. And my mother warned me. She warned me and I didn't listen. And it's like, I didn't listen to my mother and I made stupid choices. And now here I am like paying for it. And it's all my fault. And I just felt so bad about that. Um, And working with you really helped to kind of be like, well, I'm responsible for the partners I choose and I'm responsible for the choices I make. But Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible for the next part, like what this other person chooses to do that has nothing to do with me. And you can't predict the future, you know, so it was good for a really long time. And then it wasn't. And I'm not responsible for the part where it wasn't. Exactly. Oh, so good. So delicious, right? Because when we're raised um, or we've been in a long-term relationship with narcissist people, what they tend to do is they train you to believe that a, it's all your fault. You're taking over responsibility for everything. Right. And it's just this sense of like, I'm broken. I'm not good enough. And I caused all of this and it'll never get better because fundamentally I'll never be able to change. Right. Whereas with coaching, we take it just a little bit, you know, out of there and we say, okay, yes, I did make this choice. I see how I made this choice, but here's why I made this choice because I was thinking and feeling this way. It makes so much sense. And like you said, you can't predict the future. Sometimes we make choices that don't serve us, but that doesn't mean we're horrible people that we're idiots that, you know, all these awful things that we make it mean, right. And what are we going to do now? And am I taking responsibility for other people's actions? You know, 
you know, I caused him to feel this way. I caused him to treat me this way. Like that's not real. You never cause anyone to treat you the way they treat you. That's just, they they want you to believe that, but it's not true. So good. Any other painful thoughts that you can remember that were just the oh worst? Oh my God, there were so many painful thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think one of them was about my kids. We dealt a lot about um, like kids witnessing verbal abuse. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, but, but if I left or, you know, how would I be able to protect my kids? Um, and it was really good for me to see that the kids were already being hurt, right? Because they were already in a bad place. And I couldn't predict the future of their childhood, just like I couldn't predict the future of my marriage. Mm-hmm. And I just had to make the choices in the here and now, you know, with the best of intentions um, and hope that I was doing the best because that's all I could do. It's like a, it's a, it's a now moment, not a future moment. I mean, exactly. I started this whole coaching with you just because like my main goal was like, I'm in this really bad place. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to like ninjutsu my brain so I could be really <laughs> happy in my bad place until the kids are grown up. Like that was my, my like long for that. You're like, listen, <laughs> I don't want you to coach me out of this marriage. I'm staying. Okay. That's important to me. I just want to be happy. And I was like, mm-hmm, sure. I can do that for you. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You're like, that was an amazing part on your end. Right. Because, um, you didn't tell me like, I couldn't have that. Right. Right. You were that's like, not up okay, to me to decide. Exactly. Let's, let's fulfill your goals. Um, whereas mm-hmm. now like I've had so much counseling and, and there's a lot of like, um, oh, well that's not good. Right. And not necessarily that that's wrong either, but, um, I liked having that freedom that you were there and you were there to fulfill my goals and I could mm-hmm. create my own goals and you would just be like, okay, sounds great. Right. And and, and not that I know what's best because I don't, right? It's your life. You get to decide what's best for you. And my job is to show you your brain. My job is to show you all of your thoughts that are creating pain for you, all of the choices, right? That you're making that may or may not be serving you. You get to decide if those choices are serving you or not, but I just get to show you everything so that you can really see it for what it is. And then you make the decisions about how you're going to live your life. And I mean, I just, I had a feeling that once we taught you how to rebuild yourself from the inside out, once we taught you how to set proper boundaries, how to love yourself and think powerful thoughts that served you instead of created a ton of pain for you, that the way or what to do would become very clear. And so I'm curious, did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, it did. We're like recalling my life and it's amazing. Because if you'd asked me four months ago, um, would you be interested in like leaving your husband, getting a divorce, getting in your own house, restructuring your entire life? I'd be like, no, you're insane. I have really small children and a really busy practice and I'm doing a bajillion things and I don't even have time for a house plant. I'm not pushing (laughs) reset on my entire life. I'm just trying to survive it. Yeah. Um, And now I'm like, no no, it's not okay to just survive it. I don't need to be in this like torture place. I could be in a different place because I'm like amazing. Exactly. Oh, so delicious. So for my listeners who, right, because we're, we've talked about how you're still married to him. So if you don't mind sharing kind of what is your game plan, how are you going to deal with that? Yeah, well, the legal system doesn't have a lot of protection for women who are just being abused um, emotionally or verbally. Um, So it's like a really long process. Um, But sometimes, you know, anger could be scary, too. So after speaking to attorneys, they recommended having like a safe place 
that we mm-hmm. could go in case um, things didn't go as well uh, when we mm-hmm. filed. So um, I got an apartment. I have furnished the apartment, which is nice. And that's kind of really fun. Um, and now we're just kind of waiting for things to be finalized and like all the furniture to get there. And then I could tell him and we could move. So a lot of my clients, when they think about this very thing that you just talked about, they get overwhelmed. They think it's not possible. They think a lot of things and it's just not something they feel like they could possibly do. How were you able to get to that place where you could start on that path and make all of those decisions and and manage that, that huge life restructuring that, that people are really afraid of. How did you get yourself yeah. to do that? And I definitely, when I met you, that's where I was like, oh, this, 100%, yeah. I, just, like <laughs> I can't do this. This is impossible. Um, right. One of my favorite homeworks that we did um, is where you had me get in touch with my rage. And mm. previous to really having any kind of contact with you, I thought like anger was bad in, in its essence. Like it was like a bad emotion. Um, mm-hmm. And it was raised by like this narcissistic grandmother who like would fly into rages um and my mom had issues with that as well and so I was like oh I don't want to be like those people like I, I'm mm-hmm. like living a different life here um and so I really just didn't like that feeling and you were like no rage is healthy rage is good get in touch with it why are you angry this isn't something to be ninja suit out of right sit with your rage and I was like oh I don't know I've never <laughs> done that that's weird um but that was my homework so I did it and then as I started writing all the reasons that I was so angry and all the trouble and all the horror that had happened and it was like pages and pages of stuff then it Mm -hmm. went from kind of like this numbing rage to like this boiling seething kind of rage (laughs) and then I was like oh this isn't so bad Ah, I don't have to act on my rage you know I could still be an amazing kind person who is rageful there's nothing (laughs) inherently wrong in raging Uh and rage um has a lot of energy right Mm -hmm. whereas sadness where I feel like I spend most of my time when I'm like not feeling good sadness is like an energy negative emotion whereas rage is very energy positive I was like great (laughs) we can overhaul all of this like I don't deserve this this isn't what I'm choosing I can choose something different that's Mm -hmm. where my freedom is and I could just do it amazing so it might look different for everybody, but she tapped into her rage. You tapped into your rage to be able to get you through what seems like this, this daunting sort of task to re overhaul your whole life. I love it. So amazing. So powerful. Um, okay. Let's talk about, let's see. We talked about the rage. We talked about dealing with the fears, the painful thoughts, the boundaries. Let's talk about forgiving your parents. That was interesting. Oh, yes. And my grandmother. And your grandmother. um, Mm. So it's so sad. I mean, I learned through, I actually came to this epiphany and then I learned that it actually wasn't an earth epiphany. Like lots of people have figured this out before, (laughs) but it turns out um, that trauma is generational, right? Like Mm -hmm. abuse has these kind of um, ripples throughout multiple generations. And so my dad had this abusive father. My mother had this abusive mother. And like, that's why they clicked. They had emotional scars. (laughs) They found each other. I know, right? And they carried some negative, you know, um, coping mechanisms through into their own life and into the way they were raising their kids. Yeah. And then, you know, I unfortunately had to grow up with the narcissistic grandmother. 
but my mom who like spent her whole life being abused didn't even know her mom was a narcissist like she's just like my mom's just difficult and I'm like no no it's not just difficult grandma <laughs> has like a serious full-blown personality disorder mm-hmm. um, but whatever um so I had to kind of let it go right and it is something that I struggled with like it was easier to forgive my parents who I think both kind of suffered too these poor like suffering people who Mm -hmm. did their best like I honestly believe that they did their absolute best like not all of it was great but they really really tried um and I had so much more trouble forgiving my grandmother who was kind of like my abuser in my childhood who was so mean to me Mm -hmm. um and then she died and I don't, uh, she was in her late nineties, but, um, but it was like recent, like she work. died a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. She died a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And prior to like, when I was growing up and even as like a young adult, I'd have these like daydreams of <laughs> delivering the worst eulogy possible, like something oh horrible. <laughs> and it, it came out of like, just like anger when I was like a little kid. And then it evolved into like, let me educate everyone here about narcissism <laughs> so you can all get help and get therapy and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think I would have done it because that would have really upset my poor mom who would have just felt terrible. <laughs> but she died. And I was like, you know what? It's okay. She, she may have even done the best she could have. Mm-hmm. And it's hard living with the personality disorder. And it was really probably hard and painful being her. Um, and I'm just going to let it all go. I'm going to let go of all the bad memories. I'm going to just let everything go. And so for this eulogy, I literally spent an hour trying to think of some positive memories. And I didn't come up with that many. Right. And the stuff I came up with was like the epitome of breadcrumbing, right? It was like, mm-hmm. she helped me when um, I had a torn shirt and she went and got me a new one. And that was like a shining moment of positivity <laughs> for my grandmother. And it was so interesting to look at it and as like an adult look at it as somebody who's had like life coaching and look at it from a lens of like wow this was a really terrible relationship there's almost no highlights to this and the things I think are highlights are just more more reasons why I was like severely abused and neglected from from her from her standpoint um but I delivered a really nice kind of end speech based on the one good memory that I had and Mm -hmm. everyone was like great so it was fine. And I was so peaceful. I was like, so peaceful. It was like the most peaceful I've ever felt at a funeral. Wow. And it was really nice. And then some other people spoke about some things that, that she had done that were kind of great. And I thought, isn't it great? People are truly complicated. And even these, yeah. you know, abusive people can sometimes do nice things mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. That's so interesting. And that's okay. Right. Like when I talk to some of my clients who aren't ready for forgiveness that you have experienced, right. There's this fear that if I forgive suddenly it makes everything okay. They're no longer accountable for all of the horrible things. And I leave myself so vulnerable to even more abuse. What would you say to them? That's a really good one. Cause I used to think about that. Yeah. Um, we didn't I even think... like work on forgiveness. Like that was not even a goal of ours. Right. Well, because I didn't want to forgive her. Exactly. I didn't think she deserved it. I was so like, I... no, <laughs> she needs to take responsibility. Even if she's mm-hmm. dead, that's her responsibility. For abuse abuse. Um, it was not even on the table. Right. Right. But I think you have, 
humans have such a need for justice. And one mm -hmm. of the things to learn is that with these people, abusive people who take no responsibility and deny that they're abusive, there's no justice ever. Um, right. There's not going to be justice in the family courts. There's not going to be justice, you know, in reality, um, because not everybody's going to be able to see that, you know, they're abusive or they're a narcissist or whatever. It, there's just not going to be justice. So being able to be at peace with yourself is the closest you're going to get to that kind of feeling of like um, closure and solution and justice. And just be like, you know, being them internally is probably really terrible. And I don't have to suffer through that. I can leave this person and never be in that place that they're going to spend their entire life in. Wow. And it doesn't make it okay. Like, it's still not okay to abuse children. It's still not right? okay. Right. No matter what else she did in her life, like the two don't equate out. There's that right. magical thing. It's just not my problem. It's not my burden to carry anymore. Amen. Oh, I cannot, like, you could not have said that more beautifully and more clearly. Like, I, I, I want to like emblazon that and carve that in a wood carving and like send it to everybody in the world. Like so well said, you know, being at peace with yourself is the closest you'll get to that justice that we're seeking. And it's just not your burden to carry anymore. And that's what really forgiveness is all about. And so now that you were like on, now that you've kind of forgiven this person, right? Your grandmother, I mean, do you feel more vulnerable to abuse or not? No, I think I'm so much stronger to abuse and I'm just way more, I'm just better at recognizing it. Now when people yeah. don't listen to my boundaries, I'm like, oh, red flag, that's a bad person. Or, you know, that is a <laughs> right. bad person. I'm not dealing with that. Yes. Um, and so because good. I know how to show up for myself, I can double down on the boundary and be like, no, you were told to do this or, or I said I wouldn't do this or whatever the category is. Um, yeah. And just wait and see what happens. Because if they're going to double down as well and continue to violate, you're like, oh, nope, my theory was right. This is a bad human. I need to disengage yep. from this human. Exactly. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. Oh, okay. I, I can't believe all of the gold nuggets that have already come out of this. Um, so we dealt with forgiveness and how to leave, setting boundaries, solving those painful thoughts, uh, dealing with those fears. Let's talk about your authentic self. We kind of touched on that earlier before we started recording. Tell me about your um, journey to loving yourself and being your authentic self. Yeah, that one is still hard. I'm still working on that. Uh-huh. It's a work you, in progress. <laughs> right. Seriously. If you grew up in abuse and then you learned how to be pleasing, right, mm -hmm. to how to manage the crazy people that were in your life so that you could get love, so you could have attention, so you could have safety. And then if it unfortunately ended up recreating in your adulthood, it was like, oh, I've learned this before. Um, and you got to re redo all of that. And so you never got to be who you wanted to be because you were always concerned about um, fitting into a template that would give mm -hmm. you the most amount of peace and safety um, and love. And it's hard. It's hard to even step back from that and be like, oh, well, I wonder how much of this is really what I want. Like how much is me and how much is conditioning? And that in itself is like a painful thought to think about right. how the person you are in the world might not even be the person that you wanted to be in the world just kind of happened through lots of inappropriate conditioning. But um, we did this homework about joy 
mm-hmm. where what would my future look like if um, I get to live the life I wanted, right? Like, what would the future look like if I wasn't being abused anymore? And I was like, I don't know. What a completely <laughs> insane homework assignment. <laughs> and when I first sat down to do it, I was like, I don't know, I guess I wouldn't be crying. Like, that was my like, first thing that I wrote down. Like, I wouldn't cry so much. Um, and then as you sit there and you, you kind of block time to have the thoughts and do the, the process and like, really, you have to block the time. It doesn't work if you just do it you know, while you're walking from one meeting to the other, you have to take the time. Then I could fill up pages with, you know what, I would take more painting classes, and I would live in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. And I would have a personal trainer, and I would eat sushi once a week, and I would take a bath. And I like this list of things, and I really don't like this list of things. And I could slowly work on removing the things I don't like from my life and putting the things I do like into my life. And it was like kind of fun, Um, even with simple things like cuisines, right? Like what kind of Mm -hmm. takeout do I really hate and why are we still eating it? Uh (laughs) And once you do that, what you find is that a lot of the boundaries were artificial. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you may have felt imprisoned in your life, but there was no actual prison. Like you could have left, but you didn't even realize that. You thought that there were bars, but it was it was air. You could have left amazing it's so it's so true oh so well said okay so do you have any advice for people who are on this path they're trying to learn all of these tools what do you think would help set them up for the most amount of success Ooh, yeah that's hard um and I feel like I talk to these people all the time because I've reached out and joined support mm-hmm. groups. I'm in mm-hmm. all these things now. Um, I really think it's important to get in touch with their pain and to get the tools. So I'm a huge convert to life coaching. Um, mm-hmm. And I can really see the difference of where I am versus some of the people that I'm talking to, where they're really still stuck in their painful thoughts and their fears. And they've been stuck for months, sometimes for years of being stuck. And I know that because I used to be that person. Like I I was there for like seven years. So Mm -hmm. I was stuck forever in this thought of like, I can't leave. The children are so little. And like, even Mm -hmm. as they were growing up, I was like, oh my God, you know, like um, it really traps you. Yeah. So the ability to change the way that you're thinking and to deal with the painful thoughts, the pain, basically just um, slingshots you forward. Like, I think if I hadn't had life coaching and I would just have done the counseling um, and, you know, journaling and and reading, like, why does he do do that and all that? um, I think I would have still been back there, you know, Mm. and probably I may have come to the exact same conclusions and and ended up in the same life, but probably five or six years down the road. Whereas now Mm. it's kind of like on hyperdrive, (laughs) right? We're the Autobahn and we like nitro. Um, whereas I would have never done that like I would have I don't feel like I would have done that I feel like it would have been a slow snail pace because there's so much um indecision in the beginning at least and there's so much like oh I don't know about this and and maybe Mm -hmm. this will be bad especially if you don't have a lot of allies like my family wasn't initially supportive of my ideas um and it was really painful and I feel like if I didn't have you and my therapist I would just be like oh 
well, maybe this isn't such a good idea. <laughs> right? right. It would be so, so the- easy to get confused and sidetracked <laughs> and convinced. And yes. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. because it's not always painful, right? Like right. there's a lot of times where things get better and it's cyclical and you're like, oh, maybe it'll be better. And I feel yes. like you could spend your entire life just living for the times that are better and uh-huh. just putting your head down and swimming. You're trying to like make it just make it through, slither on through the times mm-hmm. that are terrible. And I, I know because I did it, um, but it's not a way to live. Right. And you not don't have to, to live that way. Right. You don't have to. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Like so many of us really believe, no, this is, this is it. I, I do have to live this way. There's no way out, but it's not true. Yeah. hundred percent. Not true. Okay. You know, you're amazing. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom, for your experience, for sharing it with um, everyone who's listening. I I hope everyone got so much out of this because there are just serious gold nuggets in here. Is there anything else you want to say that's coming to your mind that you want to leave with the people listening? Can I talk about finances for a second? Oh, yes, please. That's a big deal. Yeah. So I've been pushing people to go get coaching. Um, And I think this is like such a problem for them. They're like, oh my God, that's such a crazy amount of money. But it's not. When you break it all down, it's the same thing my therapist charges for an hour, but Mm -hmm. I get only to have her once a month. I got Laura once a week. And I think that's part (laughs) of why it's like speed demon, right? Because I don't Mm -hmm. have to work on something for a month that only took me a couple days. Like I keep getting homework. I keep getting better. Mm-hmm. And lawyers are incredibly expensive. Alimony yep. is incredibly expensive. So, yep. <laughs> when you, like, so if you like me are in a position where um, you will owe like spousal support, right? Laura saved me like 30 K, right? Think about how many <laughs> years this would have taken to get out. Um, if I had not known you and everything happened at a snail's pace, like every single year costs you life energy and money and mm-hmm. loss of potential. Um, yes. So that is my only nugget because everyone is always like, oh my God, I love your progress. I love how you're doing. You're a rock star. And I'm like, great, <laughs> you could be a rock star too. Here's my like happy medicine. She's called Laura. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, Laura's so expensive. I'm like, no, not when you break it down. Not when you break it down. Oh, so true. It's so true. I I can't tell you how my life has changed because I've invested in coaching and really it's an, it's really an investment in yourself. It's really, it's really a way to say, look, I am worth this amount of money to, and this amount of time and this amount of energy to really get those, what did you say? Nitrous what is it? Nitrous oxide, <laughs> nitrous oxide results use it at the Audubon, but it's in cars. It makes them go fast. That is amazing. Yeah. Like that, that really is the power of investing yourself and going all in on what you really want and, and the, the life that you really want to have and the change that you really want to see in yourself. It's, it's amazing. Uh, so you're the best, you know, thank you so, so much. Sure. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one hour conversation focused entirely 
on your situation that will change your life. Email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon.